Don't use your pop filter to scratch your head. My eyebrow's itchy. <laughs> that should be an interesting noise for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it registered anyway. Oh, well, okay. If you're wondering why I haven't done the intro yet, it's because I didn't open up that part of my notes. I oh, of course. We couldn't be prepared or anything. I'm never going to be prepared for this fucking podcast, but hello and welcome to Fuck Me Dead, the podcast that brings you the stories from Australia and his buddies that just make you say, oh, fuck me dead. I'm Christian Jesus. As as opposed to what the other Jesus? Yeah. Oh, there is another Jesus. There's actually. the Mormon Jesus. There's the Muslim Jesus. Who's that? Jesus. Oh, that's right. They do acknowledge he exists, but they don't believe he was the son of God. Yes. That's right. <laughs> um, and after all of that, I'm Amanda. It's gone. I don't know what's wrong with me tonight, but it took me a second to realize that you didn't say it's gone and that you actually said, how's it going? No, I said scone. Scone. Scone on. You ever never had no one say that to you in Australia before? They cut all together? Scone? No. Okay. That's probably why you were confused. <laughs> Maybe it's something I made up. I was going to say, is that a thing or is that just something that you think is a thing? <laughs> it sounds like something fucking Australians would do. <laughs> Um, I mean, not much. Not much. Uh, another week of not really leaving the house. It's a daylight savings. Oh, yeah. That's really fucking me up. I don't know if anyone else out there has this issue, but when daylight savings changes, it really messes with my internal body clock, even though it's only an hour, and it just gets really confused. It's 8.30 right now at night, but it does not feel like 7.30 to me. It feels way earlier. Mm. I'm just going to look forward to the next week of not sleeping properly. What about you? Yeah, I'll be fine in a day or so, probably. Okay. I it meant is, just how are you going in general, but oh, yeah. I'm about to go make my unemployment official tomorrow, so that's exciting <sighs> slash terrifying. Mostly but that's terrifying. okay. You're gonna make you're gonna find something better. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly it's gonna have to pay better, right? Right? <laughs> Maybe not <Ugh>. straight away. <laughs> so you're in the exciting world of unemployment. How's that going? I hate reading job ads. I yeah. hate writing cover letters. At least my CV's already done, but yeah, I don't know. Reading job ads, it's all just such fucking wank. The whole process of applying for a job is wank. It's all just fucking... <laughs> just fuck off. I mean... It's all bullshit. I don't know. I, I just think that, like, by now you think we would have a better system. Everyone goes in and says the same bullshit. That's not, like, entirely true, but you'll say what you need to to get the job. I and then though. I'll just not get the job. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so bad. <laughs> I have this other thing where I'm like, I'm afraid to apply for jobs. Why? Because they'll, if they hire me, they'll find out that I can't do it and then it'll be really embarrassing and they'll have to fire me. Has that ever happened? No. I was just about to say that. But it's totally a thing that happens every single time. Oh my God. I don't know. It's this weird phobia I have. My fear is applying for jobs and cockroaches. Those are, those are the two things you fear most in life. Yep. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. Like it's, like, it's scary for me to hit the apply button and send a resume. Well, unless you want uh, me and your children, which are actually cats, to starve, might have to get on it. I know. <laughs> I know. I'll finish writing another cover letter tonight and apply for that other one I found the other day. Okay, good. Because you don't have anything to fear in applying for it. But I got scared halfway through and I stopped writing the uh, cover oh letter. Oh, my God. So. All right. That's my weird thing. Okay, well... I don't have time to apply for jobs anyway. I got a podcast edit. <laughs> that does not take you anywhere near all week. <laughs> that is true. It's going to take me a while by the sounds of it, because I think you said you've got a really long story for us this week. I think we've said a few times that I'm just not good at being brief. Mm. That is true today. Okay. Well, my, my middle story has like... My, usually my stories that I use for this podcast are about a page long, maybe a little less. My middle story today is three pages long. So effectively, you're doing five stories. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Well, do we want to move right into it then? I guess we probably should stop talking shit and just get into it. Yeah. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first, because I'm worried my last story might be a touch dull. Why are you telling it if you think it's dull? Well, it was amusing to me, as I, and then I started writing it, and I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> and then I got to the end of it, and I was like, ah, eh. I kind of, it was one of these ones where I misread the headline. Oh my God. But I didn't realize I was halfway through the article. I'm like, I've already done all this work. I'll spin it. It'll be fine. Okay, I trust you. <laughs> On to my first story then. Okay. So it's a really, really, really quick one. A 40-year-old woman in Sydney was hospitalized earlier this week after being attacked by an animal. She suffered an injury to her upper leg. The attack occurred on a large property and neighbors had this to say, quote, they have some pretty big ones. They're usually locked in. What animal do you think this is? They usually have some pretty big ones and they're usually locked in. Is that what you said? Yeah. Immediately, I would think a dog, especially since it's like leg height. It is not a dog. It is not a dog. <sighs> I don't know. 
I'll be honest, you'll probably never guess it because it's not an animal. Then why I exactly, are you trying to make me guess it? I just thought it'd be fun. <laughs> it, it's not something you'd expect in Australia. Possum? <laughs> no. We're getting anywhere near close. <laughs> no, you're getting quite further away, actually. A lot bigger than a dog and a possum. I believe you just stubbed your toe. I just hit my ankle again, like I did the other week. Oh, sorry, continue. Uh, no, it was a buffalo. What the fuck? I would have... How... Buffaloes are big, aren't they? They're big cows. I didn't know we had buffalo in Sydney. Apparently people are farming buffalo on the outskirts of Sydney. I'm not surprised that they're a buffalo, but I am surprised that her injuries kind of seems a little low for a buffalo. Ah! (laughs) That rhymed and I didn't even mean it to. Well, the same neighbor I quoted just then believes that the woman was likely playing around in the paddock unaware the buffalo had been moved into it. Don't know what a four-year-old woman's doing playing around in a paddock, but good on her, I suppose. Hey, you gotta have your fun somehow. Hmm. New South Wales Ambulance Inspector Audie Yusuf had this to say. We attended quite a few jobs involving animals, but being called to a buffalo attack in Sydney is one of the most unusual incidents. These types of jobs can be really quite challenging for paramedics, especially with the possibility of an angry buffalo lurking close by. So they didn't even know where it went. (laughs) They need to be able to get the patient quickly. How can you lose track of a buffalo? Try to ensure they're not putting themselves in harm's way. Maybe it's a really stealthy buffalo. (laughs) It sounds like it must be. Snuck up on this woman at attack and now it's like lurking in the bushes. Jesus. From the sounds of it though, the lady is going to be okay. Well, that's Because when I think buffalo injuries, I think of like some of the ones I have seen from America where there's like big gouges out of their legs and stuff. It goes really badly, but it sounds like she got off quite light. Maybe it wasn't trying to attack her. Maybe it was just trying to join in on whatever game she was playing. Eh, maybe it was a little buffalo. Yeah. That's why I hit a lot. Oh, little baby. Little baby buffalo. That'd be pretty cute, I think. Did you know that in English language, you can make a sentence that's grammatically correct using only the word buffalo? Is it buffalo? It's buffalo, 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 buffalo. Cool. Yeah. It's something to do with like <laughs> buffalo, the place. Buffalo is in the term to bully. Okay. And then buffalo, the animal. Okay. So... It's a contraction of, like, the sentence of, like, the buffalo from buffalo, buffalo, other buffalo and buffalo or something like that. Right, okay. It's some fucking, like, it's a sentence you're never going to fucking use in your life. <laughs> but it's a quirk of the language. And I like weird, quirky things with languages. Okay. We've all learned something today. Exactly. That's it. I'm done. Wow, that Podcast was super over. quick. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got Come more. back next week for- <laughs> No, I've, I've got so much more. So much more. Okay, well- Funnily enough, my first story is also about when animals attack. <laughs> about a buffalo attack. No. <laughs> a 40-year-old woman in Sydney. <laughs> no, no. That would uh, be funny. If that ever happens, we're like, the day we finally pick yeah. the same story twice, the other person should just shut up, <laughs> not say anything, and then when it happens, just go into the whole story again. Oh, my God. I. The thing is, if it ever happens, I'm just going to leave it in because mm. I think it'll be funny. Mm. Honestly, I'm surprised that we've made it, what are we, episode 42 now? Mm-hmm. And that hasn't happened yet. Sorry, I took a really big mouthful of wine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Not once. Not once. It hasn't even come close. It's kind of great. So anyway, yeah, my first story is also about um, when animals attack, because Australia. Um, <laughs> is it going to be about magpies? It is going to be about magpies, because Tis the welcome season. to swooping season. <laughs> so the story I'm about to tell happened last year. But I do think this is a timely reminder because it is swooping season. Thankfully, we're all locked indoors and don't go outside, right? Every other state, right? <sighs> you guys are at home too? <laughs> yeah? Sure. Rest, um, of, rest of Melbourne, you're all at home. You're not going to the fucking beach. Um, well, let's not talk about that. Uh, so it's that time of year where the magpies, peewees, miners, and the butcher birds decide that for some reason humans are enemy number one and must be exterminated. Butcher birds are the one. Li- oh, li- butcher birds are worse than magpies, man. They're little, aren't they? They are, but they're so much more aggressive. And then they, they, they're called butcher birds because when they take their prey, they don't kill it straight away. They like stick it on a stick like <laughs> Vlad the Impaler. They're fucked up. They're basically flying little Vlad the Impalers, actually. They just like to impale shit. Yeah, there was like one who used that would nest near where I used to work. And so you'd go to work, like go to walk, sorry, up the street to the coffee shop. And if you decided to do that, it was at your own risk. Because as soon as you walked past where its nest was, it would come fucking flying out and try to get you in the face. <laughs> like, it, they're, fa- they're crazy. <laughs> You remember how earlier this morning went, oh, that's interesting. And then went, no, don't worry about it. You're not going to tell me anything? Yes. Yeah. It's worth noting that all of the birds I just listed are native to Australia, so must have at some point learned this whole fuck you attitude for some reason. Mm -hmm. I always thought that miners, though, were an introduced species. 
From what I understood, they were. I thought there was yeah. two, and one was introduced, and one wasn't. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I didn't know the distinction between the two types, and that one was introduced and one wasn't. I just thought they were like all introduced. There's like a little introduced. gray one, and then there's a little browny blackish one. So, which one do you think is native? I thought the gray ones were native. Yes, that's correct. I didn't know ones, that. The other ones are called Indian miners because I believe they were introduced from India. I, see, I don't know. I thought that that was like their politically incorrect name. I see. But I'm not sure. So I could be wrong on that. Whichever way, there are two different species of miners that we have in Australia. One is the grey miner or the noisy miner. Yep. And uh, it's native. It's little, it's grey. They're pretty cute. But the brown ones with the black heads are introduced. Okay. And they're the ones that actually swoop, aren't they? Yes. The yeah. introduced ones are the ones that fuck, fuck you to everyone. Look, they're assimilating to local culture, okay? <laughs> I think what happens is because they're a big competitor for the magpie's food. Yeah. So it just adopts the magpie's behaviour. To stay on top, even though I don't know how they do because they're like half the size of a magpie. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you often see groups of Indian miners fighting with a magpie. That's true. They gang up. Little fuckers. Anyway, if you're an Aussie on Twitter this week, which I actually did retweet on the Fuck Me Dead Twitter, you might have seen the video where a kid on a scooter <laughs> <laughs> was getting attacked by a magpie. Oh, that's such a good video, that poor kid. And uh, it's <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> But the reason that's funny is because he's not actually getting seriously injured. He's just screaming as it's swooping him. Yeah. But the story I'm about to tell you is very different. While the onlooker just films him screaming. (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny. I shouldn't laugh because I know it's really scary sometimes when they swoop you. This poor, I want to say, what, five, six-year-old kid. He's little, yeah. He's on a razor (laughs) scooter. He's got a helmet on, which is probably what's saving him. Mm. And he's crouching and trying to high blow the handlebars. And he's just screaming for dear life, (laughs) rolling down this hill. (laughs) being chased by this magpie and this other person that I don't even know if it's like someone who knows the kid. I think it was just someone on the street. I have no idea. Who fucking saw this poor kid being traumatized and just started filming him <laughs> as he comes careening past and back down the street screaming. My God. It, it is a very funny video, not going to lie. That's like, if Australia's home video is still a thing. Oh man, would have won. Video of the year. Would have won, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the story that I am going to tell you is not so funny. And just, you know, a reminder that these things can be really dangerous if you're not careful. A 76-year-old man was riding his bicycle in Winuna. Do you know where Winuna is? I know where it is. I've been there. Yeah, maybe. Hang on. Look, I can tell you. It's uh, it's near Wollongong, which is about two hours south of Sydney. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely been around it. So he's riding his bike in Winuna in September of 2019 when a magpie started to swoop him. The man made the decision to try and get away from the bird and rode off the bike path when he crashed into a fence post, was thrown off his bike and ended up with serious head injuries. Ooh. Unfortunately, despite being rushed to hospital and early medical intervention, he died later the same night. Fuck. I mean, not a direct result from the magpie, but sort of at the same time. Yeah. Like, extremely unlucky. Jesus. But, you know, I get it because when they're, like, relentlessly swooping you, yeah, it is hard to get away from them. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before, but I used to be a bicycle postie and there was one street. <sighs> Where's magpie? <laughs> really fucking hated me. The post equipment they give you is like a helmet with like the flap and you have to wear eye covering and like, so you're pretty safe. It's still not a pleasant experience. The problem though is it's probably associating you. It looks at you and it reminds you of another postie. Yeah, I know. So that's actually, I heard they're worried this year that swooping's going to be really bad. Because they don't recognize anyone. They're not going to recognize anyone. So all it's going to take is one person they don't like who wears a mask. Because the weird thing is the birds tell each other which people to swoop. Yeah. And they pass it on through the generations. It's fucking weird because they're- They're very smart. They are. So all it's going to take is some fuckwit out there to fuck with a magpie mm-hmm. once this year and the entire country's getting swooped. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and the worst thing about it is that magpie was at the at the bottom of a really steep hill. Mm-hmm. So I had to try and pedal wildly up this really steep hill to try and get away from this fucker. Maybe he was just like a personal trainer and he wanted you to get oh really Oh my God. Legs. It was the worst. And then like some days I'd like be able to dodge him if I was like really quiet and he just like wouldn't notice me. But then there are other days where he just was trying to kill me. Like... <laughs> Did you ever try offering it food? No. One of the other guys um, at the depot used to tell me to take a big stick and just fucking try and get it with it. Not injure it, just like try and bat it out of the way. I I still think my favorite video I've seen of someone getting swooped by a magpie is definitely the one from, I think it was last year, where they're pedaling down the road and you see the magpie coming in to swoop them and they turn around the last second with an air horn and just blow (laughs) it in the bird's face. That magpie had no fucking idea what to do. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I haven't finished my story, by the way. That was not the end. I mean- it was for that guy, unfortunately. 
But if you're in Australia and you're curious about whether you have a particularly aggressive magpie like that one uh, in your area, there's actually a magpie alert website. A website? Where members of the public will uh, report where they've been swooped. Like fuel checker, but for magpies. Yeah. Um, I've actually used it before. It's actually pretty handy. (laughs) I'm surprised it's not an app. I guess the website's easier to make. I don't know. It might be by now. But, I mean, yeah, the last time I used it was when I uh, lived near a national park. And it's just, it's handy. Okay, so this is a PSA now, isn't it? It is. I'm like, just be careful. But So what is the website called? It's called Magpie Alert. Magpie Alert. Yeah. Okay. So if you're curious, although what, hap- what tends to happen if you're not in Australia, in the suburbs, people tend to just like put up homemade signs saying, warning, magpie. I have seen those, yeah. Um, because people don't want to get swept. <laughs> and as a result of the incident with the poor man who died, Wollongong City Council's answer was just to put more warning signs along the shared pathway, which I'm like, maybe a little bit inadequate. Yeah. If it's like a particularly aggressive magpie, maybe like try and relocate it. Yeah, or- so looking at the website, they've got two different categories for magpies. There's like a red and a yellow. Oh, okay. I haven't looked at it in a while. Uh, the red ones resulted in injury. Oh, okay. But I have some good news. According to this website, no magpie attacks have been reported in our area. Oh, excellent. We can go for a walk with no fear. <laughs> yeah, the, the nearest, the closest one to us is um uh, over the river. Right, okay. And then there's another one near a certain bakery we sometimes go to near a Macca's. Oh, okay. All right. Hmm. However, that incident was not the only extremely dangerous incident involving a magpie last sweeping season. Okay. In the Hillshire... In the Hillshire Council, there was a well-known aggressive magpie in Bella Vista, which is sort of a suburban area northwest of Sydney, who the council ended up deciding to shoot. It was that aggressive. Jeez. Um, I will say, according to Magpie Alert, there have been 436 injuries this year from magpies. Fucking hell. And 3,626 attacks. And that's only for people- Fucking hell. That, keep in mind, that's only people who know about this website. Yeah, exactly. And it's only- We're in the middle of swooping season. It's not over yet. Mm. Wow, okay. Uh, So the decision to shoot the magpie is actually pretty controversial, and I'm sure that people in the area were probably not happy about it. If you're not aware, magpies in Australia are actually a protective native species, and killing them is illegal. Yes, all native species in Australia are protected. So it's it's pretty outrageous to kill. If it's a matter of public safety, though, I yeah. feel it's it's not like it's an endangered species. No, and this one's just out there trying to fucking kill everyone. Mm. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about what happened that made them decide to shoot to to do that. So the decision to kill the bird was made after a local resident who had had a heart attack previously, which resulted in reduced heart function, suffered another one while being attacked by the magpie. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, fuck that. Gotta get rid of that bird. I've got a quote from the man. He said, The adrenaline rush caused my heart and lungs to fill with blood and caused another heart attack. It just did not stop, even as I was losing consciousness on the ground. Fuck. So this poor man is on the ground having a heart attack and this fucking magpie is still going ham trying to kill him. I mean, I say trying to kill him, like the magpie can't kill him, but (laughs) it's fucking him up somehow. (laughs) I mean, I'd say it was pretty much killing him. Yeah, but like not from its direct actions yeah like i do think magpies are to be feared during swooping season but not because i think they'll kill me more because i think they'll try to take my eye out yeah that is my main concern i'm not Um, worried about them killing me but i don't want to lose an eye so in the article it did say that basically what this bird was doing is because magpies are very smart so it's so smart that it figured out that helmets were protecting people so it tried going under so it was just going straight for people's faces instead of the top of their heads right so we have to wear motorcycle helmets now oh my god like, that is terrifying. Is there a market out there for, like, tactical clothing for magpie <laughs> season? Honestly, the best tactic you can take if you have a local aggressive magpie is feed the fucker because they remember you. Yeah. When it's not swooping season yeah. and you see make a magpie, friends. B- make friends of it. Yeah. The council did try multiple times to relocate that particular bird, but it just kept coming back to the same spot. The New South Wales National Parks and Wildlife Services eventually issued a permit for the bird to be shot. No, I, I agree, unfortunately. That, no, that bird Yeah, I mean, like, when it becomes... I don't agree with shooting magpies. Look, I get they're a pain in the ass during swooping season and all of that. But for, you know, the other nine months of the year, <laughs> they're fine. Yeah. I don't agree with shooting birds because they're annoying, but when this one is like deliberately trying to gouge our eyes and giving a man a heart attack, I'm like, well, maybe it shouldn't be there. Yeah. And if you can't get it to leave, I don't know what other choice you really have. That's what happens at airports. All airports have a license to shoot birds. 
Oh, really? Yeah, but it's an absolute last resort if you can't get rid of them. Because obviously a bird strike is really bad for a plane. You know, you could mm. be taken out. A bird strike could take out a whole plane. Well, it's like that movie, that one that's got Anthony Hopkins in it where it hits a duck and then they crash. What's that movie called? I don't know. Fatal Duck? <laughs> Fatal Duck. It's probably a better um, title than the, than the actual. What is that? Oh, that's going to annoy Duck me. of death. Hold on. Death Duck. It's got Elle McPherson in it as well. Ducks on a plane. It was like the 90s maybe? The ducks quack back. <laughs> I keep wanting to say that it was alive, but I know that's a different plane movie where people crash. That's the one with um Ethan Hawke, I'm going to say. I'll pretend I know who that is. Oh, my God. I think it's The Edge. Yeah, it's The Edge. That was a good movie. Maybe we should add that to our movie list. Oh, maybe. Was that the end of the duck story, though? My duck story, yeah. Your, your magpie story? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it was a long time to find the movie day, but I just kind of lost track of what we were talking <laughs> Sorry. about. Sorry. Yes, that was all. I'm just, PSA, watch out for magpies. And you can go to magpiealert.com.au, I think it was. Yes. Very good website. And if you see or get attacked by a magpie. Report it. Report it on the website. Do your part. Yes. Okay. Um, my next story, I hadn't heard of this, but I will be honest, I, I am quite, for a, for a person who helped co-host a podcast about news stories, I am quite lax in actually following the news. Oh, yeah, same. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't heard about this at all, but I was reading it when it came up. I was like, this is kind of fucked up. Okay. Uh, th- th- this to me is just a big, a big story of police negligence, I suppose. Great. Uh, but have you heard of Kenneth Haynes? No. Okay. Well, on Tuesday, September 22nd, 2020, so only a few weeks ago, 73-year-old Kenneth Haynes left his home in Acacia Gardens, Sydney, just after midday. He caught a bus to Blacktown Station, and from there, a train all the way into Circular Quay. Now that's a long train ride. It's about a 40-minute, 50-minute train ride. Mm. So Blacktown's way out in western Sydney, and then Circular Quay is the middle of the harbour. So like in the city, like CBD? Yes. So he arrives at Circular Quay around 2.30pm. CCTV footage shows him walking back and forward along the water between the rocks and the opera house. Okay. Eventually, he boards a ferry to Manly. CCT footage in Manly catches him on the main street before he disappears. Kenneth is last seen boarding a ferry at Manly Wharf back to Circular Quay later that night. However, Kenneth Haynes never disembarks the ferry. What the fuck? He never never got off at Circular Quay. So he's disappeared somewhere between getting on On at Manly. At Manly and off at Circular Quay. So clearly he's lost at sea somewhere. He's probably overboard, yes. How does someone not notice that? Well, we know all of this because obviously police use CCTV footage and they tracked his Opal card movers to figure out what happened. But that was five days after he went missing. When was he reported missing? The Tuesday he went out. Like the day for he didn't come sake. home. And they didn't work out any of this one for five days. <sighs> okay. So, quote here. A 73-year-old man has fallen off a ferry on a cold, dark night. It's a disgrace that six days later, I'm sitting here in a police quarantine hotel overlooking the Circular Quay ferry pier, watching a pointless search of the harbour. They could have done that on Tuesday night. There will be nobody. We'll never find our father again because police left it too late. So that's Catherine Haynes, one of his daughters, who it sounds like had to fly into Sydney because she's in quarantine. So she can't even, she's just stuck in the hotel watching Parking it all happen. Hell. It wasn't even police who worked out that Kenneth Are got lost in the harbour. No, it was his wife. So Nola... And finally managed to track his movements on his Opal card on Thursday, two days after, because it, she obviously didn't have his login, but she eventually managed to log into his account and figured out where he'd gone. Because he didn't tell anyone he was going to Manly. <sighs> uh, Kenneth's internet history, though, did reveal he had Googled how to get to Manly. Mm-hmm. Didn't tell anyone where he was going. He just wanted to go to Manly. Well, I mean, he's a grown man. He can do what he wants. He can do what he wants. I mean, Manly's quite nice. I'd say if you ever go to Sydney, it's worth taking a ferry trip yeah, out to Manly. It's like something you can do. Got ice cream place over there. There's like a, one of our world pier. famous beaches. Great beach. You can go down to uh, what's that? Those cliffs where the haunted old quarantine station are. Can you walk all the way down there? I think you can walk all the way around to them. Yeah, it's a long walk. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a We've long. We've had stories featuring around there before, so that's yes. why I brought it up. Yeah. So Kenneth's wife Nola, she checked his Opal card, found out where he went, and found his Google history search of how do I get to Manly. Mm. Uh, police then didn't actually review the footage from the ferry until the Friday night after he went missing. Instead, they'd been searching a 1.6 kilometer radius around his home in Acacia Guardians. Which he was nowhere fucking near. No, he hadn't been there for hours. Why? Because his phone pinged there at 10 p.m. on Tuesday night, the night he went missing. Okay. Did he not take his phone with him? Uh, No, he did. 
Uh, it actually turns out that that evidence was false. The ping was from much earlier in the day, uh, likely during the time in which Kenneth was walking from his front door to the bus stop. That is so infuriating. I cannot imagine how his family feels. Yeah. Like, if we're being honest, they probably weren't going to find Kenneth alive. Probably not. But but at least you'd have a good chance of finding him. Yeah. I think that's what they're most upset about now. The fact that they're never going to have like a body to bury. I kind of question how no one noticed that he fell overboard. How? I mean, he's take, it's, think about it. It's... The it's a ferry leaving Manly at about eight PM at night, going to Circular Quay. Yeah, but I would imagine during that's still- lockdown. Well, yes. not lockdown, but like they've still got restrictions. I can't imagine that it's as busy as it is in Sydney. Um, he surely it- couldn't have been the only person on the fucking ferry. Yeah, if it was a ferry going to Manly, that would be more busy. I'd imagine. I can't imagine yeah. many people are getting the ferry from Manly back to Circular Quay at eight PM at night. I don't know. I think plenty of people would go spend the day at the beach and then come back. Maybe. So it wasn't until Friday night that police actually told Kenneth's other daughter, Fiona, that he had likely gone missing in the harbour. So now three, four days after he's gone. Fuck's sake. Quote, we asked police why they didn't do an immediate search of his travel card and his internet history. The police did not have an answer to that. Um, Yeah, because it's just because they're being incompetent. The onboard ferry footage shows Kenneth walking up and down the ferry. So he's pacing up and down along it. He'd be not only pacing all day, he'd be going up and down, but maybe it's, I mean, it's a good view. It's hard to say. I don't know. He sounds like he was in sound bind. Yeah, I was going to say, another thing that I'm really confused about is that I, how do you accidentally fall off one of those ferries? I've been on those ferries. It wouldn't be easy. I have the water's really bad. Like, it doesn't sound to me like he's intentionally gone and thrown himself off the ferry, but... If you think about it, the railings are quite high on those ferries. It would have had to have been really rough, I think, to have thrown him off. Yeah. So as I said, they caught him walking up and down the ferry before he finally steps into a black spot. Now, I'm not sure if they just mean that there's no cameras covering that area or they can't see it because it's dark. It was nighttime. And he's never seen again. (sighs) Now, as you've asked, how did no one see that? Well, on Sunday after... So he went missing on Tuesday night. It's now Sunday. And his family asked the police, have they contacted any of the other passengers on that boat? Yeah. They had not. Oh, my God. What are you doing? Yeah, like, I... It's not like did, it's hard. Did you get, like, this missing person case that when you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do exactly nothing about this. People have Opal cards now, so when... And most, I assume most people register their cards to their name. I don't. Maybe I should. Yeah, but even if like his this. wife had, like, his Opal number, she still would have been able to provide that. Because yeah. she obviously logged into his account somehow. Whether it was registered or not, yeah, doesn't matter. Exactly. So, Kenneth's family themselves have actually spent the last few days searching the harbour for his body themselves because it sounds like the police that's aren't so fucking terrible. doing anything like Now, if you know Sydney Harbour, that's a fucking monumental task. Uh, very, yeah. That's a lot of coastline to cover. Most of it you probably can't even access. And there's a lot of, like, sea life yes. in the harbour. There, there are sharks in the harbour. And penguins. And penguins, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and seals. Uh, the children from Kenneth Street have been scrolling messages of love and adoration in the chalk, in chalk along his street. As it turns out, he was quite well known in the local community. That's really sad. Yeah. So it doesn't, to me, it just sounds like he wanted to go to Manly for the day. And so then he went. on his way home, something bad went, something bad happened. Maybe he had like a medical emergency and that's why he. Maybe fell he off. was pushed. Ma- who, who knows? Like we can say anything at this point. We can yeah. speculate pretty much any situation. Could be true. Uh, so final quote here from his daughter, Catherine. Manly to Circular Quay is the busiest route on one of the busiest highways in the world. How does a 73-year-old man who had already been reported missing fall from the Manly Ferry and it takes this long for authorities to even notice? If a child or commuter or anyone other than an old man slipped from the Manly Ferry, would this response be accepted? So that's another point. He was already reported missing before he got on the boat oh, at really? Manly to go back to Circular Quay. Jesus Christ. Okay. That makes it... Even worse. The thing is, I think this is my theory on what has happened and why the police response was so poor. Is that I thought he was a bloody Casey Gardens by the sounds of it. No, well, I mean, they didn't do that until much later. So they've reported him missing on Tuesday and nothing happened for days. So I think what the problem might be is just complacency. Most missing people turn up. Possibly. So they're like, we'll just wait it out and he'll probably turn up and then we don't have to do anything. Mm. Particularly if it's not someone who's got a history of disappearing. He's also a grown man. So um, one thing that gets said all the time. It sounds like he was in perfect health. He didn't have any, he wasn't like early Alzheimer's or anything like that. Mm. He just went to Manly. Well, one thing that gets said a lot about adult missing persons is that if you're an adult, you have the right to go missing. It says that you have control over your actions. So if you don't want to be found, you probably won't be. Mm. So I think, yeah, I truly think it's just complacency. Most missing people turn up or are otherwise fine. I suppose that's another possibility. So Kenneth is actually alive and he's just done a runner. I highly, highly doubt that. Then how on earth did the CCTV not pick him up when he got off the ferry? No, he jumped in the river and swam. 
Yeah, okay, no, I don't buy any of this. I don't buy this story at all. But, I mean, I'm not saying that that's an excuse for them not taking action. Like, they fucking should have. Yeah. Especially, like, an older man. Like, yeah, what if he had gotten into trouble, something medically went wrong? I think it's interesting that they relied so much on... I can understand why you'd be like, we'll check where the phone was pinged. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But he's an older guy, right? He's not on his phone all the time. True. Like, if I went missing, yeah, ping my fucking phone is with me all the time. But... (laughs) You know, he probably doesn't. He's probably not sitting there on the fucking train on his Twitter or whatever. True, true. I don't think that matters, though. I think it's how, like, which tower it connects to. So as he was moving through areas, it should have pinged different towers. Well, then why didn't it ping anything? Yeah, I know. That's what I don't understand either. Especially once he has a circular key or yeah. anywhere along the train line. The amount, of tra- the amount of towers he would have crossed going from Blacktown to circular key on a train. Mm. I've done that trip many times. Yes, yeah, It's It's a long train ride. Yeah, So, yeah, that doesn't, the whole thing just doesn't really make any sense to me. And I feel so sad for his family that they now have to deal with never having his body because of police incompetence. Yeah. It's terrible. Uh, Even the chance of finding him on the night were probably not super great because it was dark. Yeah, but it's made worse. But it was still so much better than it is now. Yeah, absolutely. Two weeks later. It's fucked. Sorry, Kenneth. Yeah. I'm unfortunately not going to bring this mood up at all. If anything, I'm about to make it worse. Fantastic. Sorry. This uh, midsection of the podcast is just going to be a downer. Um, yeah, the midsection I'm sorry. Is. My story is about one of Australia's oldest unsolved crimes. <gasps> Did um, I do it? I don't think so, unless you're alive in the 60s. The 1860s or the 1960s? 1960s. Oh, definitely not. Do you do you have any idea what I might be talking about? Hmm. I mean, it is a very famous unsolved, but considering its age and that you have not lived in Australia for your entire life, I I wouldn't be surprised if you don't know. Off the top of my head, no. But maybe when you tell me the name of the case, okay. it might ring a so bell. So I'm going to talk about the Wanda Beach murders. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never even heard of this beach. Okay. Well, all right. I'll just I'll just start from the beginning because this is this is a long one, guys. Sorry. I tried to be as I cut out so much. Honestly, we probably could have done a whole episode on this, but I'm going to try and cover it as briefly as I can. But that's also not very brief. Anyway, on January 11th, 1965. Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sharrock decided to head to the beach for the day. As Marianne's mother was in hospital waiting for an operation that day and her father had passed away a couple of years earlier, even though Marianne was only 15, she was in charge of her younger siblings for the day. So her younger siblings were Norbert, Wolfgang, Peter, and Trixie. I think it probably probably bears uh, mentioning that they had immigrated from Germany. Wolfgang. To explain those names. What a great name. I think it's a great name too. So the six of them boarded the train to Wanda Beach, which is in the Cronulla region. Okay. I was going to say, I don't know where that beach is. So it's a smaller beach near Cronulla. Yep. And they were traveling from West Ride. Hey. Uh, A lot of of people from West Ride seem to get murdered. (laughs) Good thing you don't live there anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm. I'm pretty sure that if you are listening and you do live in West Ride, you're fine. That was a joke. (laughs) That's true. I lived in West Ride for years with only like a glass door right on the street. No one ever tried to come to me. Yeah, no, it's it's a pretty safe area, actually. (laughs) But I just feel like so often on this show, it's like they were in West Ride. Yeah. Then they died. (laughs) Well, they didn't die in West Ride. That's true. Well, you don't know that yet, but sorry, spoiler. (laughs) When they arrived at the beach, it was actually closed that day because the conditions were very windy. Um, So the train trip from West Ride to Cronulla isn't a short one. It takes over two hours now. So I can't imagine what the time was like in the 60s. Yeah, because you have to get the train from West Ride and it goes south down to Strathfield and then into the city and then you'd probably have to get on another train yes. to Cronulla. So, like, it's not a short trip. Yeah. Um, I used to take the West Ride train because I lived right next to the station. Probably about half an hour into the city. Yeah. Getting up at Town Hall. And then Cronulla's not close to the city. so no. So they didn't want to waste all that time getting there once they got there. So they didn't want to give up their day at the beach just because it was closed. So they made their way south until they found an area of the beach that wasn't closed, set up all of their stuff near some rocks to try and um, shield them from the wind. So they all enjoyed a swim in the shallow part of the beach and they ate lunch. After lunch, they decided to walk, they decided to walk further down the beach. And by the time they reached Wonder Bay Surf Club, the younger children had begun to complain that it was too windy. Okay. So they set up their stuff again behind a sand dune, tr- again trying to give themselves shelter from the wind. At that point, the older girls, Marianne and Christine said that they were going to go back to their original spot to retrieve their stuff. They just left it. Oh, it's the 60s. Whatever. It's the 60s. It's fine. <laughs> you just left your shit back then. I mean, 
how are we not questioning that two young girls were in charge of children? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Two 15-year-old girls allowed to take children all the way from yeah, like, West Ride to Wonder Beach. This is the thing. Australia in the 60s was a very different place to Australia now. Like, you would never do that now. Mm. Like, no one would ever let their young teenage girls take children that far away from home. Like, that just wouldn't happen. And unfortunately, this case is one of those ones that the reason is that people don't do that anymore. They said they were going to go back to their original spot to retrieve the stuff they left. But when they walked away, they walked in the opposite direction. What? Yeah. So they were walking in the opposite direction. So where the fuck were they going? One of the younger boys, Peter, called out to them, but the girls laughed and continued heading in the wrong direction. The girls were seen once more by a local firefighter who was also at the beach that day enjoying some time with his son when he noticed the girls walking hurriedly looking back as they walked. Um, he said it looked like they were worried about being followed, but he couldn't see anyone following them. Okay. Unfortunately, that was the last time the girls were seen alive. Okay, so they're really little kids. Are left alone. Are they alive? Yes. Okay. They're, they're still alive now, so. Okay. At 5 p.m., the younger siblings had become concerned that the girls hadn't returned, and they decided to go and get the bags themselves. So um, and they walked in the right direction because the little kids are smart. <laughs> yes. Eventually, they ended up catching the train back to West Ride by themselves. What? Which is insane to How think about now. Again? So, the eldest one was about 12-ish. Okay. And the youngest one was about six. That's still a monumental effort for children that age to have been organized enough to get all of them back home. Yeah. Smart kid. Yeah. 12-year-old. As there was no one home at their house, because remember, their dad has passed away, their mum's in hospital, they decided to go to Christine's family home. They lived next door. Christine was the other girl? Yes. Okay. So they knew each other because they lived next door to each other. So Um, they told Christine's grandmother that the girls had walked off and not come back and she immediately reported them as missing. Yeah. Um, Because despite all of this, those girls were generally seen as very responsible. They had done this trip before with the kids. There was no concerns about them taking them on the train or any of that. Why would you go all the way to that beach? I suppose not as busy as Manly and it's easier to get to. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know why that beach, but apparently they'd made the trip many times before. Both girls were seen as very responsible for their age. Yep. And yeah, there'd been no issues previously. So it was really weird that they had just left them and not come back. There was, you know, concern immediately. It wasn't like they'd left it and waited or anything. The next afternoon, a man named Peter Smith was walking around the sand hills at Wanda Beach when he found what he thought was a mannequin in the sand. But as he got closer, he realized it was actually a body. He immediately called the police and both girls were found nearby each other, partially covered in sand. For the record, yeah, it is a two and a half hour journey right this minute from West Ride to Wanda Beach. Yeah, it's not a short journey. But again, I mean, there's no beach near West Ride either. <laughs> so you'd have to travel at least a couple hours to get to a beach anyway. Bondi or Manly is a lot closer. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. What's that other one? Um, Balmoral? Oh, yeah. No surf at Balmoral though. I actually quite like Balmoral. I like it as well. <laughs> anyway, this is not the point of this story. So I'm going to warn you here that both of them were so savagely attacked that the results of their postmortem have never been made public due to the brutal nature of the crime. I'm also now going to describe in detail how they were found and their cause of death. So if you don't want to hear that, maybe just skip forward a few minutes. For those who want to skip this part, skip ahead to 38 minutes and 13 seconds. Because it is, it's bad. I remember the first time I heard this story it just makes me feel very uncomfortable, even like thinking about it, even now, even though I'm familiar with the story now, I'm still very, un- I was very uncomfortable researching it today and I'm kind of uncomfortable describing it, but here we are. Okay. <laughs> um, Marianne was found laying on her side with multiple stab wounds, the fatal wound being the one that punctured her heart. However, the others were around her neck area and it was said that it was so badly cut that her head was almost severed from her body. Okay. Christine had also been stabbed multiple times and the back of her head had been struck by a blunt instrument. The theory is that Marianne had been killed first and Christine tried to flee but was chased down. Um, There were drag marks to where Christine's body was found. So it seems likely that she tried to run, was hit from the back and then dragged. Both girls had their bathing suits cut with signs of sexual assault or attempted rape. And a semen, sorry. I said, of course. And a semen sample was collected from the scene. However, that would be later lost. So thank you for that. That's probably the gruesome part over. But obviously that's horrific. I can only imagine their panic, especially Christine, because she would have witnessed what was about to happen already. Mm. I don't want to think about in what order things happened. I would agree with the... I meant the sexual assault before or after death. Sounds like it was probably after to me, but... I don't think you would have been able to keep two girls still. It's it's very horrible to think about, but this whole crime is terrible. One of the interesting parts 
was that the contents of Christine's stomach were examined and they found celery and cabbage, which they hadn't packed with them to take to the beach. Okay. So it wasn't part of their lunch at all. Well, this lines up that they were going to meet someone. That's kind of the theory. Yeah. Is that um, she also had a blood alcohol reading of 0.015. Okay. So the theory is that they went to meet a boy. Yeah. Or boys. Or or boys. I mean, we don't I'm I mean it's an unsolved crime. I told you that at the beginning. We don't know who did this or why. And I've heard previously, but I didn't find it in my research today, that the younger kids were constantly like kind of making fun of the girls because they had a boyfriend at the beach. I see. But no one knew who he was. So Or if he was even real. Okay. So sounds to me because you said they made the trip multiple times. Yes. So they've met this boy at the beach one trip. Probably. And they've arranged to like meet him up next time they go. And that's why they keep going all the way to fucking Cronulla Beach. Sorry, Wanda Beach. Okay. That's that's the leading theory because, well, honestly, there's not much else to go off. So it sounds like they snuck off to go meet this boy or boys. They had some food with them, maybe a little bit to drink. Who knows how old these boys were? I'd say definitely older. Probably young men. It's pure speculation, but based on her stomach contents, they think that they must have spent some time with their killer before they were attacked. I mean, it seems to me that that would have to be the case because of how brutally Marianne was murdered. She would have had to have been comfortable for him to be able to surprise attack her like that. Mm. I don't know. But then the guy said that he's seen them and it looked like they were worried someone was following them. So maybe not. I, maybe I they're don't back know. to make sure the, other, the kids weren't following them. Maybe. Because they knew they were after. So they were going to say. They were going to go drink alcohol. Maybe. I mean, that's possible as well. It's, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't have an answer is, is the unfortunate part. I get it. It's the 60s, but they left a 12 year old and a six year old alone on the fucking beach. It was the 60s. I know, but still. This was around the same time that the Beaumont kids went missing. See? And they were much younger. <laughs> Much younger than all of them, really. I mean, the oldest girl was 12, I think. So the thing is, it's it's weird for us now to think of children that young or going far away from home together. But it was not odd in the 60s. Mm. There was no fear of, of anything like this happening. It's probably thanks to this one and the Beaumont kids going missing that people were starting yeah. to become paranoid. Similar incidences in other countries and things yeah. like that. It is how it's changed. Unfortunately, due to a lack of witnesses, there wasn't a lot to go off to even get potential suspects. Also, again, the 60s, they found a semen sample. They couldn't really do anything with it. This is, this is when we said this the other week. How did they know to keep this stuff? Well, they didn't keep this one with the sounds of it. Well, they didn't, but they had intended to. <laughs> so, I mean, they were still taking samples. They just couldn't really do anything with them. But yeah, there was just no potential suspects even. There was nothing. They had the semen sample, but were unable to find the murder weapon or anyone who had seen anything, which I do find odd. Surely they weren't the only people at the beach. It's a huge beach. I guess. I was looking at that on Google Earth. It's it's massive. I'm just like, how did no one hear them scream? Like, surely they screamed. Do you know what I mean? It was a really windy day, though. (sighs) Yeah. And you said there was not many people on the beach because it was closed. Yeah, but the section they were in was open. They'd wandered off from it, though. Yeah. I don't know. I just... I think... The optimist in me wants to think that someone knows the answer. Someone does know the answer. The, the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and it, given how long ago it happened and how, like, we don't know the age of the attacker, they could likely be dead anyway. True. Wolfgang did describe a boy that he'd seen twice that he was he suspected was following them, but he was only eight at the time and his story changed a couple of times. Which, yeah, well, he was eight. Which led authorities to find his description of the boy pretty much unusable because, yeah, details kept changing. His age, I don't know what they really thought they could get from him. I'm sure that he was upset and stressed and all of those things. And I'm sure, like, I can't imagine Because being- of all that, he could have even just made the person up is the other problem. Yeah. Kids do do that. So. I mean, so what, like, if you've seen a boy a couple of times on the beach, doesn't mean that he murdered them. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. It could have just been a boy on the beach. The only thing he got accurate and w- remained consistent in his story was what the boy was wearing, but that was also not enough to lead them to anything. His description was completely unusable to to the police. They had a man who was reported to be harassing girls on the beach the day before, mm-hmm. but they were also unable to identify him because the lifeguard who escorted that man from the beach didn't get his name. He just like <laughs> tossed him out. That was it. Cool. I kind of get it. I don't think you it was a stranger though. That's the other thing. But even if it were, I get that the lifeguard didn't get his name. Why would you bother? You yeah. just like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Bugger off. Obviously wouldn't be expecting to find two dead girls on the beach the next day. Like, Yeah. It's just like a lot of things stacked against finding anything in this case. There have been theories though. Okay. Of course there have been. This story has been on the internet. So of course people have opinions. So one of the theories is that it could be the beauty queen killer, Christopher Wilder. Now he was US based in the 80s when he killed eight women. 
But he's originally from Australia, and he lived here up until 1969, and he okay, lived- so this is like his first one. He lived nearby Wanda Beach. Okay. Because that is a common thing that happens with serial killers, where like, they do one kill really early on, mm. and then it's not for a few years later until they do another one. It's not impossible. Okay. He was in the area. He is a known murderer. Yeah. How did he kill people? He stabbed people. Sorry. Mm. Oh, hang on, wait. No, he did. Mm, did he? Sorry. I didn't research Christopher Wilder. The next person I'm going to talk to stabbed children. <laughs> oh, awesome. What a lovely man. The thing is, we can say it was Christopher Wilder, and that might be a really good claim as a theory. No evidence, though. So it's just a theory. Well, he, yeah, Australian serial killer who abducted and raped at least, this is Christopher Wilder, sorry. Mm. Not abducted and raped at least 12 women, killing at least eight of them during a six week cross country crime spree the night in. 1984. Another theory was Derek Percy, who was convicted of murdering one child in the 60s. However, he is a suspect in numerous other cases (laughs) due to being in close proximity, including the disappearance of the Beaumont kids. But again, no evidence, no nothing, really. Despite multiple theories, I mean, that's just two of them, there are heaps, but there has never been enough evidence to convict or even interview anyone. Now, the reason that this case got brought up in my memory again was due to a Daily Mail article on the 26th of September, so just over a week ago. Yep. Claiming that someone had confessed to the murders. Okay. Which is interesting. I Actually, I sorry, I should probably add alleged to the end of that because all the way through the article it says he may have confessed. The alleged confession has come to light so many years later because the man has been investigated for sexually abusing his own daughter. Oh, awesome. Now, when you Google this, you will not find the name of this man anywhere because his identity is being withheld to protect the identity of his daughter because obviously they have the same name. Yeah. While the investigation was going on, the mother told police that her former husband confessed to the Wanda Beach murders way back in 1972 when they first started dating. When he started dating? Right. (laughs) And you went on to marry him? Yeah. This is wild, honestly. Proves that women just are sexually attracted to serial killers. It all makes sense. So I've got a quote from her. While we were sitting in his car, he turned to me and asked me out of the blue if I remembered the Wanda Beach murders. Then said quite calmly words to the effect of, I did that. I'm sorry, but if like someone I just started dating turned to me and said, oh yeah, I killed two girls brutally on a beach. I'd be like, get me the fuck out of this car right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You you did date someone who was almost a murderer. Well, attempted murderer. Yeah. Maybe we should do that story one day. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should. At the time, she didn't take him seriously, and I kind of get that as well, because who the fuck says, oh, yeah, I did that? Yeah. You're just like, oh, it's just some boy trying to look tough to impress me. Yeah. But still. Um, so I kind of do get her reaction in a way, because I it'd be so hard to just, like, sit there and take that completely seriously, because, yeah, no one says that. No one says that. Yeah. So I kind of get it, but also I think I'd be afraid. <laughs> but that's just me having listened to- So you to- wouldn't go on to marry him and have a child with him, is what you're saying? I, I would like to think no. <laughs> okay. But again, I guess this is the time before, you know, true... I, like, she hasn't been sitting here listening to true crime podcasts for who knows how long. Do you know what I mean? I have a paranoid mind now. <laughs> it was a different time. I kind of think that people weren't really thinking about this stuff all the time. Whereas now, you know, people are afraid of everyone. And it's... it's I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd probably, like, laugh at someone if they said that to me too. I'd be just like, yeah, right. Mm. Whatever. He's currently in prison serving an eight-year sentence for the sexual abuse of his daughter. Which, honestly, this guy sounds like a really... Top-notch dude. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I don't know how she married him. It's been reported that he went to the same school as Marianne and lived locally. So it's quite likely he knew her. Possibly. Mm. Um, He was a surfer as a teenager and spent a lot of time at the beaches in Cronulla. Okay. So... I mean, there's a lot there lining up. um, Hans, Marianne's brother. I'm pretty sure he was her older brother. Hang on, wait. Let me check that out. Yes, sorry. There's just so many of that I I just couldn't remember. Um, so Hans is her older brother who wasn't there that day. Mm-hmm. Is demanding that the confession be taken seriously because it could lead to further yeah, investigations. I think they should take it seriously. Why I not? think they should too. Um, what I mean, else is it? He does, not like he doesn't have the time to do it. He's in fucking prison. Well, I mean, I guess that's the thing. You know, they've got him for eight years, yeah. so plenty of time to get this going. And I did read in an article that this case is the oldest open unsolved case at the moment. That's pretty good. So if so they could the solve oldest. it. That would be amazing. It's worth mentioning that in 2012, the police said that they had a very weak male DNA sample from Christine Shorts. So even though they had lost the original semen sample, they were able to get something from the clothes they had. Okay. Even though at the time it was too weak to be useful, that doesn't mean that in the future DNA technology won't catch up and be able to use it. So I'm saying, this is the, this is the end, yep. um, I'm saying 
that they should definitely take a DNA sample from this guy. Because I would think in the eight years that he's in prison... I mean, they might already have one from him, given the nature of the case he's been arrested for. True. So if they don't have one already, get one and keep it until you can use it. Oh, so that sample that they do have from Marianne is still too little. Still still no updates on that. So um, they're still waiting. Come on, any any people out there who develop forensic technologies, what are you doing? Hurry up. <laughs> well, I mean, these things, they take time. It, yeah, they'd be crazy to not take a sample from him now. Mm. And hopefully by the time eight years, his, his prison sentence is up, they can use it and get him for it. Because, I don't know, that seems, it seems like it adds up. It's the best lead they got so far, right? Right? Pretty much. <laughs> I don't know, like, there is a part of me that's like, maybe it is a false confession, because I don't know why, but people fucking confess to shit they didn't do all the time. It's themselves seem tough and cool. What the fuck? Stop doing that. Maybe it was a bit of, I can intimidate this woman I'm dating yeah, with I this know, information. Yeah, I know it'll make her fall for me, telling her <laughs> I brutally murdered two girls. I don't think it's about falling for him. I think it might have been make her so scared she won't leave. Ugh. Uh, you know, that kind of, okay, that kind of shit. So there is a part of me that says maybe it is a false confession because yeah. people do that shit all the time. But then I'm like, if he knew Marianne or it was a possibility that he knew her, because it seems like they did know the person. Yeah. Just take the sample anyway. I suppose you probably just can't take the sample from him without But reason. like you said, he's been convicted in a, like, Another crime. a sexual crime. Yeah. So you would think that they would already have it. Mm. But if they don't, surely they can spin it some way that they can get it. Yeah. This is why we should be just taking DNA samples from everyone at birth. <laughs> I know that people won't agree with that, but fuck it. I'm okay with the government having my DNA. What the fuck are they going to do with it? It's shit DNA. <laughs> <laughs> In saying that, though, I won't do one of those like 23andMe things because I don't want Google having my DNA. See, you know, I, I trust the government with it, but not Google. Interesting. <laughs> you don't want Zuckerberg making a reptilian clone of me or whatever he is. I'm not worried about that. What they will do is they will hold that and use it against you. They'll use that to advertise, uh, say, if you have a genetic defect. That's what <laughs> they would use it for. Why am I getting all these ads for this disease two weeks later? Oh, no. That's why I don't trust Google with my DNA. Yeah. But I would trust the government to store it for other reasons, like solving crimes or yeah. paternity issues. Or oh, really? It's no different than having like, my fingerprints, which they already have anyway. So. Pretty much. So, like, I, I accept using it for those purposes, but not to advertise stuff to me because of, like, genetic defects or illnesses I might have. Yeah. That's fucked. That's preying on people who are in a vulnerable position. I agree. So, anyway, that was so off topic. But, but yeah, just a horrible, horrible murder that I hope that they solve someday. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's definitely worth investigating i mean their family is still alive so i think it's definitely worth giving them some kind of sense of closure well not closure but just a resolution you know okay well let's move on from can we pick it back up police negligence and terrible murders i it doesn't sound like there's any police negligence in the second case. no no there maybe wasn't. losing the semen but whatever. um i will i will mention just because of the you know the poor poor guy we talked about in the harbor police took the call about the girls being missing very seriously and started searching straight away what so, happened to you yeah in the 60s police. they were doing something right we're gonna go talk about incompetent i assume government i don't know who. Oh, really well that's just this. normal for yeah. australia sorry regular <laughs> government yeah <laughs> so motorists driving over sydney's other big iconic bridge the anzac bridge yep have noticed something wrong with the New Zealand flag flying from the top of its supports. Okay. So when I read this headline, I actually thought that the, the, the headline was that they were flying a New Zealand flag instead of an Australian flag. Oh, right. And I was like, haha. It's an Anzac bridge. It it's has both. It's Anzac bridge. It makes sense that there's both a New Zealand and an Australian <laughs> yeah. flag up there. That's not the problem with the flag, though. What is the problem with the flag? We'll get to it. Okay. So, as I said, being the Anzac Bridge, it's a memorial to the Anzac soldiers. Uh, natural that it flies both Australian and New Zealand flags. Oh, uh, for our international listeners, what does Anzac stand for? I'm about to get into that. Okay, so I'm awesome. glad you asked. <laughs> we planned this. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. <laughs> uh, so, Anzac, for those in our audience who may not know what it is, it stands for the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps. It is a World War One fighting force made up of Australian and New Zealand soldiers, as you might be able to gleam from that name. And they were sent to invade Turkey via the Gallipoli Peninsula. And like all World War I battles, it was a giant fucking shit show and a terrible waste on both sides. And they pretty much just sat on a beach and got shot yep. down on a cliff for a while. I mean, obviously the Turkish people lost men as well. I, I don't think... Uh, the Gallipoli campaign was definitely successful for the Turkish side. They definitely won that battle. Mm. But, you know, obviously it was a bit of a shit show on both ends. World War I is a... I mean, it's a great movie as well about it. You should watch Pretty it. good movie, yeah. You know, and we, you know, they, they let us go to Gallipoli now as a... Yeah. Once a year. They, they don't mind 
As far as I'm aware, they don't mind. Well, they let us do it, so I assume that Although, they Although, I think they're getting a bit iffy because tourists keep going to make the pilgrimage to Gallipoli for Anzac Day, and then they leave the beach in a fucking shit state, and I don't agree with that at all. That's no, I really don't. That's disrespecting <laughs> them now. like that. Because, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we're not enemies anymore. <laughs> no. To, to go there, like, they're letting you go there to pay respects to your ancestors, your family, the people who fought for you, and then in return, you're- Leaving shit leaving on the Leaving shit everywhere. That's and not only that, you also, you know, you disrespect the country, you're then also disrespecting the people you just came to pay your respects exactly. to by trashing the place they died. Exactly. We're not talking about that, though. Sorry. <laughs> Before we go off on another tangent. <laughs> so the Gallipoli campaign was really like the first time Australia and New Zealand ever made an appearance on the world stage. Because okay. obviously Gallipoli, World War One, early 1900s, New Zealand and Australia, both really new countries, not even a century old at this point. Yeah. And they fought together. Because neither country was really that big. Okay. Uh, so not only was it the first time we appear on the world stage, it's really the first time we both worked together for something. And it's the first major conflict that either nation ever fought in. The Anzac was disbanded, mm-hmm. reformed briefly in World War II for the Battle of Greece. And its history, it, it just forms a big part of both countries' history and like really is what, I guess, tied our nations together in the way we are. Yeah. There's some debate about Anzac Day and whether or not we should celebrate it. I think we should. Because I see it as remembering these poor soldiers who were sent to the war and died. I think people opposed to Anzac Day view it as celebrating us invading another country, which I, I don't. I see both sides. Yeah. Like, I definitely see both sides. Yeah, and I, I don't think it should be a celebration of, ha, we invaded Turkey and fucking got our asses kicked. I mean, and I also don't agree with, like, celebrating war. Like, no. I get that, but that's not really what Anzac Day is about. Anzac I always Day thought is, it was. like, about our soldiers and the sacrifices they yeah. made. And fuck, sorry we sent you there. Yeah, like... Thanks, yeah. Churchill, you fucking dickhead. <laughs> I say that as someone who generally likes Churchill, but, you know, yeah. he's also a prick. <laughs> I love Billy Corgan, but he's also a fucking twat. <laughs> Sorry, William Corgan, can't call him Billy no more. So, back to the bridge. Back to the bridge. So, for the past month, a faulty New Zealand flag has been flying from the top of the bridge. Okay, why? Wh- how's a faulty? So, both flags look really, really similar, right? The main difference between the New Zealand flags and the Australian one is the New Zealand flag, the stars are red... They've only got five points, and there's only four of them, which is two less than the Australian flag. Yes. Otherwise, it looks identical. So, the Australian flag has an extra star in the Southern Cross. Yes. And a big star underneath the Union Jack, which we don't have on the New Zealand one. Mm-hmm. This fake New Zealand flag flying on the Anzac Bridge has the correct stars. They're the right color. They've got the right amount of points. There's the right number of stars. But the bottom one is under the Union Jack instead of forming the southern point of the Southern Cross. What the fuck? <laughs> So it's not even like you you could say, oh, I it's see how like that error was made. Yeah, it, it's not. It's like fucked. <laughs> it's not like they printed the Australian flag with the wrong stars. Yeah. They've, I don't know. They, like, a manufacturing fault is being blamed. But honestly, it wouldn't be the first time that something like this is happening. Though. Very, very often politicians from New Zealand go to these international events and they get seated under an Australian flag and like, well, this is not the right fucking flag. Yeah, but you would think that whoever's like in charge of that stuff. <laughs> of the, the Anzac, Anzac Bridge. Bridge would know what the Australian yeah. and New Zealand flags look like. Yeah. And it's not like it's not the first time that we put one up there. Oh, Where did I'm this saying. faulty flag come from? I guess you got to replace them every so often. but Yeah. Because, I mean, they're out in the weather and stuff. Like, they would get destroyed. But that's my story. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I would just think that, yeah, the person who's in charge of the fucking Anzac Bridge would know what the flags fucking look like. It's not hard. <laughs> you Google it. Yeah. If you're not sure, Google it. That's what it's there for. <laughs> Even if, like, the people putting it up, surely they will for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's just, yeah. <laughs> How does that even happen? It also implies to me that there must be more than one of these flags out there. Surely they don't. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. How, much, how much demand is there for giant New Zealand flags? In Australia? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like America where they've got flags in every Yeah, I was going to say, we're not country. very patriotic over here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, from flags to shit. I'm bringing back poop. I figured after my terrible, awful second story that we needed to, to go back to what we know best, and that's poop. It is probably the most <laughs> animal animal attacks and shit are probably the biggest recurring themes on this. Yes, sp- on this definitely. Podcast. I feel like that needs to be on a t shirt. <laughs> animal attacks and shit. Okay, <laughs> well, <listen laughs> that should be like our new slogan. <laughs> uh, fuck me, dead podcast. We got animal attacks and shit. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I mentioned the podcast, but it sounds like there is a poop jogger in our neighborhood. Yes, we've um, we're, we're keeping an eye on it. We might turn it into a story. I don't know, but it does sound like someone there's a poop jogger the, in our uh, neighborhood. Someone on the local Facebook group has reported someone leaving human feces, and I 
I wanted to comment on it, but the mods turned the comments off to the post. I was so upset. I was like, no, <laughs> where's the poop jogger? Fucking tell me. <sighs> so they were so talking about camp- putting up cameras. Yeah, I would fucking yeah. go camp out and find the poop jogger myself. Or <laughs> like, well, just huh. to get this story. Yeah, I'm like, fucking yeah. <laughs> Where are you, little shit stain? Oh, my God. Okay. Jump out of the bushes at the boy. <laughs> what are you doing, you filthy Then they cunt? really would shit themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and then I could tell people I want scared a man or woman. We don't know. So much that they shat themselves instantly. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, this one isn't about a poop jogger. <laughs> oh. So, a West Australian man, and we're just going to call him Anthony, even though his full name is in the article because I don't know why you'd want your name attached to this story, <laughs> um, decided to shit at a work site twice in March. Now, I assume you don't mean in the toilets. No. <laughs> I, okay, so he's a construction worker? I'm getting to it. Okay. As a result of this behavior and past unrelated behaviors, he was fired. Instead of like any normal person who would be embarrassed and move on with his life, he decided to submit a fair work claim against his former employer saying that he'd been unfairly dismissed. (laughs) I got sassy in this one. I don't know why. I don't Um, think it's fair that me shitting on the floor quantifies me losing my job, boss. (laughs) Yeah, no, like... (laughs) Well, Anthony, you uh, stood on my desk and shat on it. Literally... The next line I wrote was, I've got to be honest here. I think if I shat in a public area of my workplace, I would fully expect to be fired based on nothing else. If not, I would resign before they found out I did it. (laughs) It's so embarrassing. I don't know why. This guy is not embarrassed, by the way. Like, not at all. (laughs) I think if I shat myself at my workplace, like, just in my pants or publicly, I'd probably never go back. It would be so hard. And, like, I... I have to think that the only way it would be seen as not um, a fireable offense is if you were really sick. Yeah. But he did it twice, weeks apart. Yeah, they have portaloos on those work sites, Anthony. <sighs> Anthony had been working as a production technician for Western Australian Iron Ore for seven years prior to being let go. However, he decided to poop down an active drill hole <laughs> on March 9th and again on a collar of an active drill hole on March 27th. <laughs> Who the fuck shits down an active drill hole? <laughs> I assume there was a... Mecha- like, there to was get no, the iron ore. There was no one down there, I assume. No. <laughs> I don't think they put people down those drill holes anymore. Did someone bet him to do it? or No. Did people see him do it? Yes. <laughs> like, I've used long drop toilets, you know, living in a third world country growing up. That's not what this was designed but, for. But, yeah, it's not that. So just the image of this shit falling like dozens of feet yeah. into the Earth's crust. You wouldn't even hear it hitting the bottom. You just like, hear it like getting, was it like to lubricate the drill bit or? I don't, I don't fucking know. Was the, was the drill in there at the time? No, no, the drill was not in there at the time. But they were using it. Like, it wasn't like it was inactive and they weren't ever going to put a drill down there again. They were actively using that hole. All right, let's go get that iron, put the drill down, the first thing that spirals up to the tops of huge I hope shit. he told someone before they did that, because that's so disgusting. Anyway, <laughs> I, I put here, clearly something bad was happening inside him, and I hope he's seen a doctor. Um, <laughs> Anthony claimed that the situation was urgent, and he didn't think he could make the five to six minute drive to the closest facilities. Now, I think it it, it is a remote area. You're not right next to a toilet. But surely it'd be better to, like, just do it on the side of the road and cover it rather than shit down an active drill hole. I do make that point, but a quote from a quote from him about the urgency of the situation. It just hit me like a Samboy chip. I don't know what the fuck that means. Do Samboy chips have a lot of flavor? They must. Do, because the, I mean, I I've got to be honest, not a Samboy uh I don't remember the last time here. I saw them. Yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen them since like the canteen at school. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know what that really means, but I did, still thought it was a funny quote. Did Samboy chips make you shit yourself? I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't remember that being a side effect of Samboy chips, but whatever. I should call them shit boys then. <laughs> I, even if him not being able to wait to drive to the nearest toilet is true, why didn't he just move away from an active work site? Yeah. Like, they're in the middle of fucking nowhere. There's plenty of land. We're, we're, I'm, gonna tell you, like, I'm sure they're out there pissing on the fucking dirt absolutely. all the time. But... but like, were they using, or do I, were, were people drilling next door and they look over and there's Anthony just like, oh, hey, shitting down a fucking hole. On the second one, someone watched him do it <laughs> and then asked him why the fuck he did it so close to an active drill hole. And he went, I just couldn't wait. Why right next to the hole, Anthony? We work there. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if I believe that like something like inside him was going wrong or whether he just like was angry and wanted to shit on work. I, I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to use this as an example. I mentioned earlier that I used to be a postie. You're not near a toilet very often. There were times where I went six hours without using a toilet. I never found myself in a situation where I thought I was going to shit myself. <laughs> what are you eating? And I used to eat HSPs all the time in that job because I could get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> so riddle me that. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, I think like as a grown human being, you have some control yeah. over your bowel movements. If it is like it's really urgent and like something is really happening inside you, maybe not by much, but I would still think at least enough to move away from an active work site. <sighs> okay. Well, how I this- think I would rather shit myself than shit in a place where someone else has to work. They could see me doing it. Yeah. Mm. At least if you shit yourself, you can just like duck behind the bushes, take your underwear off and right? ditch them somewhere. This is nothing about this that makes any sense to me, but whatever. He's shit in a hole that people are using for work. <laughs> <laughs> so regardless, some Fair Work Commission ruled that the employer had a valid reason for dismissing him. No. And his claim was thrown out. <laughs> I got really sassy when I was writing this and I don't know why. Um, now when you Google his name, all that's going to come up is an unfair dismissal claim related to actual shit. <laughs> Good luck having a job with that. I think that's like one of the first things people do now is Google your name. And if that's the first thing that comes up... Under your name. <laughs> oh, God. I'm in the job. Mark what comes up under my name. <laughs> like, I, I think um, claiming unfair dismissal due to shitting at work, I don't think that's what you want to be known for, is all I'm saying. Oh, there's a British automobile designer with my name. There you go. That's my story. Fuck me. Just wanted to bring shit back in some way. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you'd like to tell us about the time you shat yourself at work or anything else <laughs> at all, you can send us an email at fmedeadpodcast at gmail.com. That's fmedeadpodcast podcast at gmail.com and as always you can follow us on twitter at fuck me dead pod to keep up to date on when new episodes are released and more all the information above can be found on our website at fuckmedeadpodcast.com and even has a list of ways in which you can listen to the podcast including from the website itself oh my god i don't know why i always freak out about that feature yeah i don't know either subscribe if you have the time and leave us a review and as always please tell your friends we really appreciate it because we're crap at marketing ourselves but I don't know what that was, but it happened. It and did. now we're here. Is that the end? I've, that's now I'm done. Wow, that was so efficient. I know. <laughs> I thought I'd better be efficient at the end of a long editing episode. Yeah, sorry. This, uh, if you're still here, thank you. Because this episode, I think, is going to be a bit longer than usual. But I, I tried. I cut out so much from that Wonder Beach one. There were so many other details that I've cut because for time's sake. But fun fact, Wonder Beach was Case Files first episode. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know why that's a fun fact, but it is. Because you really like Case File. Case File is pretty much the most listened to true crime podcast out there. So Mm. you you don't appreciate Case File? I enjoy it. I like Morbid better. Yeah, Morbid's a bit lighthearted. Case File is very serious. Yeah, it's very like serious. These are the facts. Whereas I find like Morbid's at least tries to make uncomfortable situations a bit less uncomfortable. I believe that wraps us up for another week. Holy fuck. Okay. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back at the same time next week. Goodbye. Bye!